Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister. And as always, you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This week, we are talking with Dominic Morin, the head snowboard and ski shaper at Pryor, which is an independent ski and snowboard manufacturer based in Whistler, B.C. Our senior editor, Sam Shaheen, recently spoke with Dominic about the origins of Pryor, their philosophy of ski and snowboard shaping, their craziest designs, their new shapes for 1920, and the lasting legacy of Pryor's founder, Chris Pryor. Before we get started, I want to remind you that the Student Outdoor Leadership and Education Conference will be held April 5th through the 7th at Western Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado. We here at Blister are proud to be a sponsor of the Seoul Conference this year, and the conference promises to offer a packed weekend of networking, learning, and competition. This year, one of the primary focuses of the Seoul Conference is the question of what it means to make an impact in the outdoor industry. For more information, please visit soulconference.com and please let any of the students in your life know about this Seoul Conference. And now let's get to Sam Shaheen's conversation with Pryor's Dominic Morin. Hi, I'm Sam Shaheen. I'm a senior editor at Blister, and I'm talking today with Dominic Morin with Pryor. He is the shaper at Pryor, right? That, that's your title and that's your name. I didn't screw that up. <laughs> I think it was a really, uh, really good pronunciation for an English guy. That's <laughs> well, you did tell me how to say it just before we started recording, so I don't want to take too much credit. <laughs> so those of you who listen or who read a lot on Blister know that we've been talking a lot about a couple prior skis that we're really into. So that's kind of why we wanted to set up this podcast. Um, and we'll get to talking about those skis in a little bit. But I want to start off just sort of, Dominic, if you could go over how prior got started and a little bit on the history of the brand. Uh, it started in uh, 1989. Is the first uh, snowboard that uh, Chris uh, pressed. Uh, I still have the picture on my desk, the five first boards. Uh, Chris was a pro windsurfer, so uh, he had a lot of uh, lot of experience with composites at a really early age. So, like at 20 years old, he was already uh, mixing epoxy and making uh, windsurfs. From what he was telling me, probably. Probably shaped about 700 windsurfs by hand with his hand planer and everything. So he had lots of experience on fine lines, nice curves, and all that. And uh, when the when the big boom of the 80s and 90s of snowboarding came by, well, uh, he kind of jumped right into it. He was uh, working with the, his vacuum bag and everything with the, with the windsurfs. So it was a pretty easy switch. Uh, to go uh, into the snowboarding part. That's the the start. I think they were just a bunch of friends hanging out, having a couple of beers and making some shapes that felt would work on the hill. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I would never have guessed that that the that similar equipment is used to make windsurfs as it is to make snowboards. They seem like such different things. They are, but you know, more we're moving forward, closer it gets together. Uh, I was personally shaping for a few years as well. I've got, I've I've been through about eighty boards. I'd say that like I hand shaped like paddle boards for a bit, uh, and uh, 
and surfboards and when you're shaping a surf a snowboard like you can't make it all machine and like make it like straight off the line and take it from one machine and you know like just do the layup put it in the press but when you've been shaping like that's what i always appreciated with chris is that before like i see the core is kind of the the most important part of of the the components because it gives you the gives you the right flex it gives you the right feel and we're talking here of you know 0.3 of a millimeter you know so that's that's how chris was bring in the the hand shaping part to the snowboard by just always resending it a little bit at some places where the machine would lift it a little bit thicker or having a last shaper's look at the at the core before we we actually uh, put the glue and make it a make it as a, a really long lasting unit let's say <laughs> So yeah. that's that's where that's where like uh, by surf, shaping surfboards and shaping uh, shaping paddle boards and windsurf that's how you develop that eye that you can actually catch quality defects on the on the production floor and uh, see I, I always been a really big fan of like big shapers and uh, you know, like there's some surfboard shapers that come out some Kevlar mixes and all sorts of really cool stuff. And when I met Chris, like, kind of connected right away because we both knew what we're talking about. And then, like, we, he started to give me his philosophy. We actually met on on a really nice well in Tofino, and yeah, so his surf vibe, and he he grew up in the Barbados as well. So like, you know, he was a he was walking like a beach guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, the, so that's why, like, you know, once you start working at Prior. It's, it's really hard to go somewhere else when you when you you actually enjoy shaping and you the only goal in the day is to make better boards and better boards and and that was that was Chris's philosophy. So you guys have been making snowboards since 1989, right? Is that what you said? Yes. So basically, uh, going to be our 30th birthday next year. It's quite amazing because like. See, uh, personally, I was working at, uh, when I started making snowboards, I was at Option Snowboards in Vancouver. And we're pounding a lot of boards at the time. And you see, like, it, it, they had to stop production because it was so hard, like, to make up the cost in, the, in an industry that's kind of moving to China, moving to bigger and bigger and manufacture more robots. And, you know, so the fact that, Chris been able to just roll along 30 years in that industry where like all the big players were falling, <laughs> you know? So that just, that just proved how he always repeated it's a lifestyle company. And you know what? Like, even if it's not the biggest company, if you can get up in the morning and you have a new shape in mind, you build a shape, the next morning you get up, you go try it out. And then you, you just created something and you can actually keep progressing with it and hear feedback. And as soon as you start doing that, it's really, really hard to see it just as a normal job. That that sounds like a pretty uh, pretty good gig you got there. <laughs> um, so, so when did you guys start to make skis then? It must have been around 2005, 2006 when the... 
Chris started making skis. Yeah, and so one of the things that then sets Pryor apart from a lot of other big companies is you guys do custom builds like some other small custom builders. What what level of customization is possible at Pryor? We can basically do everything you want as far as shape. Uh, the only challenge sometimes is the bottom contours. Like some people want the different uh, different bottom contours. Uh, for us, like we we're proning the hybrid rocker, which we keep a little bit of a of a camber on the foot and have like nice early rise uh, nose and tail, or you know have full camber. So like uh, if we talk full custom, basically if you call me and it's the hey dama. I've got one aboard or a key with the 118 underfoot, and it's going to be an 83, and I want that type of nose shape. Well, we can do that for you, no problem. And then, like, uh, once this is done, you can choose your base, you can choose your top sheet, you can choose the, basically the flex if you can compare with what we have. Uh, if if you want to go with one of the, the shapes that we already have, then uh, the customization starts with the base that uh, we have on our website that you can actually choose and the top sheet that we have on the website. So basically you go on the website, choose the best graphics that you like, and then you send it to us and then we build it. Uh, the bottom contour sometimes it's a little bit more expensive, so we want to keep it uh, accessible for people. So see, like right now, Somebody calls me for a, a full custom shape uh, with the process that Chris left us and everything and the machine we have. Uh, for $450 extra from the price of the ski, I make you a full custom ski. You know, so I don't think there's many people, other people that can do that unless they're a really small scale business. What would you say is the craziest custom skier board design you guys you guys have ever built? Uh well, we have uh, some uh, <laughs> some some of Chris's friends that were really involved in the in the design and stuff throughout the years came out with some pretty cool idea. We have a uh, James Oda that uh, basically came back from Europe with the with the concept of split boarding, and he ended up making a swallowtail. I think now it's the there's another brand that does a two o two, I think, or something like that. But yeah, the two whole trees swallowtail. Whoa. Massive <laughs> weapon, you know? Like I I haven't built it, but I saw it as his house and you know, like we had they had to patch up some bases because the base material was too short because they cut it at two meters. <laughs> and then they had to uh it was like crazy project. But the great the board came out super nice, you know. So he still has it. It doesn't use it anymore, but he still has it. I heard you got to keep the nose pointing down. <laughs> I, I don't think you could point the nose any other direction on that. <laughs> yeah, but that's one. And then like uh, just lately, we just uh, there's kind of that new uh, ski swallowtail trend that, that came out. And uh, there's a guy that called me to have an overlord with a 10 centimeter swallowtail in it. So that was a... That was a bit of a mind wrecker as well, like if I can use that term. But I just uh, had a couple of nightmares and like so much carbon in his tail that like he's riding it and he's loving it and I'm not afraid it's going to snap. So <laughs> we're good. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's a, yeah, that was another tricky one. But we make all sorts of stuff like kite boards, like split board for, yeah, for, uh, for kite boarding on the lake, just snowboard, you know? So yeah, no, not a lot. So like I could go on forever. On. So I think you guys are in an interesting perspective, especially on the custom side of things, because you build both skis and, and snowboards, which isn't very common. How do your snowboard designs influence your ski designs and vice versa? Well, first, like, because we have such a good powder range of snowboards, uh, I'm talking lots of uh, of uh, bottom contours because it's it's pretty tricky to have a smooth line under your board or your ski. That's that's you you know like have when you're shaping surfboards like if your rocker has a kink, it makes you like. A lower level <laughs> you see what i mean sure, sure no kinks in the rocker is like you know key and chris like always add the eye shape stuff by the millimeter and he really loves smooth lines so from the powder uh ramps that we have in our presses to, to do the the boards and everything then when we started translating to the skis uh, we just started using those ramps, which kind of gave us a little bit more of a of a smooth, gradual rocker that we know it's been tested for days and days on the hill. And uh, we started doing uh, with that, the effective edge brought back a little bit as well. So like you have a bit of a longer nose and a quick, quicker turn radius. So see, like the CBC is one example of that, that like we, we did a uh, little bit of a pullback effective edge with a smooth line on the nose. And then we mixed it up with our powder, uh, powder bottom contours. And then it came out, came out pretty good. People that are riding it, are, like our, our only goal is to make your day better. So like when people come back to the shop smiling and they're like, yeah, man, that's it. You know, that's, that means that we're ready to release the model. Well, when uh, when my boss lets me ski the CBC and I'm not testing other skis, my day is always better. That ski freaking rocks. <laughs> yeah, no, like, and that that was like Chris. You know, he would take the specs, uh, take the idea, think about it for a little while, and then he would come out with a shape that, you know, it's not just like, yeah, yeah, it's a one ten underfoot. It's, yeah, it's one ten with a lot of love around. <laughs> you know so when that's you know that's the big difference i find like once you put the, the let's say we still use the, the template material we put it on the machine and then like we cut it and that's the new shape well there's none of those templates that go into production until like i have a look at it and then but now it's me but before it was pressed you know a little bit of sandpaper here and there make sure that the, the curves are smooth and there's no there's no dent there's no kink so like the guy that's actually bending the edge by hand on his bench there he's not gonna spend his whole day to do a bad edge you see what I mean so it it, it all starts from the from the tooling and the smooth smoothness of the curve and you know like a, the shaping part. It seems like we see a wider variety of shapes and designs in snowboarding as opposed to skiing. Do you think this is a result of the snowboard shapes being easier to work with when it comes to like unique shapes like swallowtails and blunt noses and weird things like that or or is it something else it's actually a really good question 
Um, I think first, like with the with the tip and the tail of the of the skis, you 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 don't have that much to work with, you know. So like it, it's just a tight curve, and you know you're playing with not that much material to make uh, the shape uh, visually better. So it's it's hard to make a a really smooth shape that's not gonna look like everyone else. Besides the snowboard, well, if you're making let's say a 163, well, you get a way wider nose where you can make it blunt, you can make it kink, you can make triangle if you want. There's some people now that do follow nose, you know. Uh, you have a bit more play with with that as well. Uh, I think as well that the the ski the ski side is uh, maybe quite different as far as rides as well. Uh, people are really tempted to look at what is it on the foot, what's on the foot, what's on the foot. You know, like it, it's it's a good part, it's a big part of it. Uh, but the the rocker and like the the smoothness of the lines can and everything makes makes the ride smoother in a way when when it's well designed, right? And from the snowboarding side, well, when we try something, then we can translate it to the to the ski side as well and most of the time people that are trying they get hooked pretty quick on our shapes you know so it's 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 working pretty nice so so then do you guys have any plans for more kind of experimental or wild shapes on the ski side of things i, I mean I, I know i'd like to see and try out some some crazy shapes from you guys yeah uh right now like i see we have like the a star which is a really deep powder ski uh it's all my sled friends that have that and like the the guides you know people that ride only on track powder they really like that uh right now i'm uh, i'm working with cmh heli uh, on a on a new prototype but it's not it's not there yet it's uh it's just the prototyping uh, next year we got the Northwest that's coming out, which is a uh, 100 and 110. It's actually the first time that we do that. That uh, we have two ways width for one ski, and I know I know by experience that when it gets released, people is gonna wanna have a a 106 and then a 115. <laughs> you know, like it just never stops. But uh, we decided to release it in a 100 uh, 110 just to give the choice. And after that, like it's like I repeat to everyone. For 150 bucks, we we're gonna make it the waist we want. You can just have a custom waist. So the the Northwest is uh, uh is targeting like a, a more of a all mountain ski, uh, which is not totally specific powder, but it's gonna work into powder as well. And uh, yeah, like all our friends from New Zealand and stuff like that. The 116 or 118 on their foot was quite wide for the conditions of snow they have. So as soon as they saw the Northwest, which is like just, I think we got seven mils of taper on it with a 23 meter radius side cut, uh, 100 on their foot. But as soon as they saw that, it's like, okay, I'm taking it, you know? So it, it was to kind of uh, reach out to those guys as well. and uh, uh, we we always start with our close friends to get them to ride and enjoy pow, but we live in whispers. We get lots of it, so sometimes we gotta uh, think outside the box and make some new stuff for people that sometimes have less snow than us. Yeah, I I, I know that 
myself and our managing editor, Luke Kappa, are both extremely stoked to get on the Northwest 110 and 100 because um, we both love that CBC so much. And uh, it's just, it's in Colorado, it's not a practical everyday ski, you know, it's just yeah. too big, yeah. too wide for every day. So we are, we're so, so, so stoked to get on that Northwest. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit more about that. But first, I want to talk about kind of the reason why we're, why we're pretty high on a few of your, of your skis right now. So one thing we noticed about both the Hasumi and the CBC is that we got out and skied on them and, you know, we're, we're, we came away real impressed and we were all sitting down after, after the day skiing and someone asked, it must've been Jonathan or Luke asked like, Oh, Hey, so how, how stiff is that? Is that ski? Like we, we hadn't hand flexed it yet. And we went over and we hand flexed these skis and they are so stiff, especially the Hasumi. I mean, with, with, with the glass layup, the Hasumi is incredibly stiff tip to tail and for how easy and intuitive it is, we were really surprised. And same with the CBC. I mean, the CBC never goes below like an eight out of 10 stiffness. It's real stiff, but these skis are also combined with sort of forgiving shapes and there's a decent amount of weight behind them in the, in the fiberglass builds. Is this sort of like some part of your uh, design principles, this idea of heavy, stiff, forgiving shapes, or did you kind of just kind of stumble across this? I mean, or, or is there a different story that I'm missing entirely? No, I think they're totally related. And if you look once again at the bottom contour, like you can, you can actually uh, see the, the the smooth curves on the foot. Like you know, on the CBC, we press it on the flat bed, so like you're gonna have just a few mils of camber on the foot. Uh, it's not gonna be much, just gonna be a little bit, and you get a smooth early rise both sides. So uh, let's say that the when you put it on edge. Uh, the, the the stiffness you you want to have it a bit stiffer because it's gonna kind of fold on you you know just because of the rocker. So we kind of find out that when uh, when you have a bit of a stiffer ski, uh, you can uh, you can increase the rocker a little bit more. It's not as floppy. So the idea behind having this uh, stiffer ski is just because we can have the rocker line super smooth and it, it can like uh, translate to your turns. So like when you're turning, like you feel that you have something that's going to hold on. But as soon as you're jacked up on power with this, like it's floating like a servo. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of fantastic. And after, after getting on the CVC and the Hasumi, I've kind of noticed it in some other skis on the market as well. Like this combination of easy shapes with like generous, generous rocker lines that have some stiffness and some weight to them too just being being real fun skis you can push hard but are easy to turn and i'm i'm all about easy to turn skis so i uh i'm i'm, I'm big on that yeah and the thing as well is that uh our boards are kind of recognized to be stiff as well you know but when we when we design with the bottom contour with the edge to edge and the, and the taper and everything harmonized together well it fits super nice and like the goal the the goal is like let's say on the snowboard like uh, you're going your waist deep pow and if you're on the top and your back leg is not burning you're having the best time of your life <laughs> you know 
so so that's the goal behind it and that's what we try to recreate with the with the skis as well see like this the yasumi is like people take that and they go on the like even the carbon version they go in the backcountry with it and then they come back a few years later and can i try the overlord i think i'm better i'm i'm ready for some more meat you know and they get used to the rocker they get used to the the stiffness of the ski and everything and the next uh, next step that like i want to kind of push with the company as well is educate people more in the summer to get ready for the winter because uh skiing and snowboarding especially uh, on piste is like you can basically eat barbecue all summer and drink a bunch of beers and then as soon as there's some snow you just jump in the chair and then there you go like you can test yourself on any cliff anywhere you want so i think as well like yes we do have a stiffer ski but i think your summer preparation is super important to actually for your safety and for uh, for your surroundings so you get there prepared and like your quads are ready and like so like that you can handle that ski and stump those landings and you know with a softer ski it's more forgiven you know what i you know what i mean like you're there and you know like you're not too in shape or anything it's gonna get kind of a let you go through quite a bit of stuff that's why we kind of made the northwest a little bit softer so it, it kind of help out people as well you know but for 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 skiers that are ready and stuff like that extra stiffness usually they just cope with it and they love it yeah well and i mean with the sumia and the cbc that stiffness combined with a pretty forgiving shape is nice because you can push the ski super hard you know you can ski hard and fast and like really really drive the ski but also if you do make a mistake it's not just gonna like it's not gonna put you on your ass immediately but i do want to talk a little bit about the northwest 110 and 100 because we because we we don't have them uh, those skis yet for to our listeners i i i saw them briefly at sia we hand flexed them and we kind of drooled a lot but how how much in your design process are you thinking of these skis as narrower cbcs or is it more of a of a, a new shape entirely it's a new shape entirely actually like uh, have you tried the the petroler no no we've only skied the hasumi and the cbc okay so basically uh, uh, just before chris passed away uh we designed together the petroler, which was more like a non-piece key uh, with Titanol in it. And it was more 100 underfoot. And it was to reach that target of people that, you know, they, they want to charge on piece. And we just put a small early rise on it uh, just to just to, to make it so, like, if there is snow, you can still, you can still like, plow through that pretty quick, you know, pretty nice. Um, and as as when we finished creating that then it, it brought in a whole different uh crowd uh looking at our stuff and then i really like talking to people when they come in and have their impression on the ski and stuff like that and lots of people were like yeah it's a really nice ski but damn did it give me a ride you know so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you I, know I, like, I believe that i hand flexed that ski at the show a few weeks ago and was just like whoa this thing is crazy stiff and it's like it's a real ski shape you know you you need to be a good skier to ski that thing 
Yes, and like that's why now we're offering the glass, which is a little bit softer as well. But the first few guys like that that actually were attracted with that ski were older guys that you know they've been in the racing before and like they're going after performance and stuff. And I was talking to an uh, an older guy, like probably in his sixties. Not saying that sixty is old, but it, you you know what I mean. Um, and uh, and he's like. You know, like I, I haven't skied a a race horse like that since like 1985. You know, <laughs> like it was it was just blown away. It's like I'm I'm so uh, disappointed to be like a bit older and out of shape because I could beat up those skis hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we ended up we we ended up building him a, a set of glass skis, so like it was a bit more forgiven, but. There, there was that second crowd that wanted a ski like, like the patroller, but more kind of a twin tip uh, approach to it. So basically, I w- I got to the shop one morning, and there was a guy there. I started talking with him. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'd be stoked on this if, if like I would have a ro- like a bit of a rocker in the tail so I can ride switch and." I'm like I saw I showed him the CBC. He's like, yeah, it's a little, it's a big ski for me. Like I go just a little bit smaller. So he gave me his spec, and then I write. I I have my black book. Like if you come to the shop, I always have my black book. Two hours later, there's another guy that shows up, and then I was drawing on my computer, and I listened to him, and he's saying exactly the same thing as the other guy, like almost same words, you know. So hundred underfoot. Same nose shape with maybe a little bit of a rocker tail. So I'm like, oh, that's two. I'm like, if I hit three with the same specs, I'm going to make the ski. <laughs> and then Ben, you, you met you Ben at the, at, the, at the show there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ben, like, by the end of the day, is like, hey, Dom, I was thinking of a ski, like, you know, maybe a bit rocker on the tail. And I'm like, okay. I'm gonna draw it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm gonna draw it. So like that night, I I made that ski and we made a template and like, uh, my my edger D Rock was there and he he wanted to give a, a gift to his girlfriend. So I started to make the 176 for his girlfriend first. She went on it. She loved it. And then Ben started designing the 190 with a bit of a longer side cut radius. And then like he went out with that. And then like. And then after that is just snowball effect. We just started designing the ski, and now like see uh, the ski is designed, and we're we're basically ready to put it on the market and get people to enjoy it. So I do have a few questions from some of our snowboard reviewers. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about snowboarding, um, so I'll just read these questions to you, and uh, hopefully we can uh, hopefully my ignorance on the topic won't get in the way. Um, Hard boot, border cross, and racing board seem to be pretty niche, but you guys have several models that fall into these categories. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, Chris was a Chris was a hard booter. Uh, I'm not, but uh, I will not change his design for that reason because uh, he spent a lot of time designing the World Cup. We had like a big winners uh, on the World Cup with our with our boards. Uh, Right now, like with the last BX uh, line that we just 
did. We have podiums back east in Quebec. Like, you know, we get pictures of the, the racers, three priors, one, two, three, you know? So we're, we're definitely like, uh, working towards keeping that. Um, it's definitely a niche market and there, there is ups and downs on it. When you're after only with the profit margin and the business side of things, then like, you know, that market's not too appealing because there's some big players and, you know, like uh, the, the top athletes are sponsored by this brand and this brand and it's hard to get in. But the reality of it is in that those uh, those niche markets, we have lots of returning customers that they've been buying our boards forever and they just love them. So we 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 keep a stock of it and we keep selling it so people can still enjoy it like that's that's the only uh, that's the only reason behind it and see like now it looks like it's a border cross era like uh, we get lots of requests for border border cross people in korea uh in quebec places where it's colder there's less snow people are really competitive uh chris before he passed away gave us a nice lines of bx BX Pro and FX boards, which is like top of the line. I mean, you can't even imagine how much work it is to make those boards. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, it's to keep people like winning. If uh, if that's the field they are in, you know, we we want to come out with the top of the line product, and I think that's what we deliver right now in, the, in those area for sure. Been tested and everything. So snowboard shapes have really evolved over the last few years. As a company that has been making freeride-specific shapes for a long time, how have your designs evolved or not in response to the current big mountain craze that's sweeping the industry? If we would have asked Chris that, he would have probably just laughed and walked away. <laughs> you know, like, Chris was there since the beginning, and you see the... Uh, let's say about what nine years ago when the rocker kind of pushed back, you know, like, uh, uh, we're all, uh, we're all riding our camber board. And like, the only thing we wanted was like twin tip camber to go hit the park. Like everybody wanted that. And then uh, there's that kind of a, of a rocker part that's coming back. And then, uh, I was the first one that actually uh, pressed the the first hybrid rocker board at the shop, and I pressed it, and it was way too flat, and I had to ride it the whole winter because I was getting only <laughs> only one. Uh, Chris wouldn't let me do another one; like he would let us do our boards, and then he would just shape a shim that's going to give you enough kick, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but the the week actually that we're all pressing our boards rocker and everything, there's a guy that's showing up. And like it was a time that like a battalion was pushing lots of the triple base technology and like we had lip tech with the full rocker and you know like Chrissy Chrissy was looking at us like man don't bite us to that it's just cycles it's gonna go away it's gonna come back and it's gonna go away and we we're like no no it's new you know not new at all because like this afternoon there's a guy that showed up I don't know if you heard of the crazy bananas oh yeah. <laughs> you know so like basically he showed up in that afternoon and he had a board called the crazy banana and the thing was made i think in 1984 or something that the, the building date that was on <laughs> and it was 
It was full banana rocker. It was triple base technology. He has he had everything, everything that people are pushing today. So you know, a few years back, I was looking a little bit at the Liptec boards, and their brand new thing was the Camber board. So like, <laughs> it goes. You know what, man? Yeah. Like it goes in waves. It, it's just like sometimes, like people. Everything is new for somebody that hasn't been in the business for that long. It's like I was saying, like, like a two or three swallowtail, you know? And now, like, I'm looking at some other brands, and yes, they're making a 202, you see? So it's a swallowtail. We always had a swallowtail, you know? But now people are getting into it. Now. They're, they're, work, they're riding it in the park. They're riding it everywhere and stuff like that. But for us, or... The building process behind the swallowtail was not the look of it. It was when you're going down, your back leg doesn't cramp. So working with Chris was such a a privilege because he had all that knowledge and he was always staying super calm about it. And, you know, we would focus on our own thing, try not to follow the trends. And just make rides easier for everyone with a durable ride, you know, lighter and stronger with a smooth ride. That's always been our goal. And that's what we do every day. Does that does that answer the question? Yeah. I mean, I think like the the tour answer is like screw it. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Like we we we're not we're not a company that will tell you this is the ski you need, you know? It's like, that's the best ski we designed for those conditions. And if you think that you can make it better, just let me know, we'll do it, you see? So like, that's that's basically the approach of shapes and the, 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 the involvement of the design and stuff is always with the, the guys from the shop. Uh, you, you know, we have the 20 centimeter rule, right? No, what's the 20 centimeter rule? Okay, well, basically, Chris put together the 20 centimeter rule uh, at the shop. So every time it snows 20 centimeters, we start working at 12. But I see, I've been working there for 12 years now. I haven't missed a powder day. There's nothing, wor- there's nothing worse than going making snowboards when it's puking out. I can tell you that. Unless you have a really good trip planned out in a couple of days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like that's the, that's the two things. But like instead of having like a full factory totally depressed because it's snowing out, well, twenty centimeter, you just go play. And we encourage our staff to ride a different board every time. We have that demo, that demo fleet, and they try the shape and they tell us what they think. And that's where like the lineup that Chris left us there. See, like you take the BC split. It was the first shape he did like almost 30 years ago. We just cleaned it a little bit, but the specs work. The board works and it's still our best seller. So, you know, and then after that, we went, we progressed through the years. We had the BC split and then the twin tip came in. We were, I'm pretty sure we're the first. Yeah, we won an award for that. for doing the the first, uh, the twin tip split board. So basically it's, it's the edger from Ontario that's he's going back home and he knows that his hill is small, but he he wants to go touring, so he makes himself. At the time, he was the AML, 
makes himself a MF-156 split, and we're all laughing. We're like, what are you doing? What are you going to do with this? And then we do, we make one, we send it to the test, we win an award. Best idea ever, you know? Because <laughs> the trend the trend really is to bring your, your freestyle in the backcountry. You know, when you're a kid, you, your dad, but like, uh, I'm going to evolve a bit on the split board there, but, you know, like when you're a kid, you're most likely going to spend lots of time in the park. And once you're 20, well, you're all broken. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, so you'll have to go where there's soft landings and just keep pushing the same tricks. And that's that's where, like, the, the, the twin tip split board is for. Like, you just, what's best than going building a jump with your friends in the backcountry, you know? And you could go with your snowshoes, you could do, but what's more comfortable than a split board? You know, it's so easy and it climbs nice. And uh, by the way, like uh, talking of the first uh, first of a kind, uh, four years ago, three years ago, uh, we made me and Chris uh, teamed up together because like I'm a uh, I'm a really big fan of splitboarding, and we made my son who was seven at the time a splitboard. And like we never we never advertised it anywhere or like we put a couple of uh, of his lines on Facebook and stuff, but. Uh, if we have to claim it, uh, I think my son is probably the, the, he was at the time the youngest splitboarder on the planet. And, uh, oh, yeah, now, that's so awesome. <laughs> you know, and like, we were just about that because, see, now like, I'm trying to set him up for his first heli drop next week and, uh, but next month maybe. And like, he serves and he, you know, he's in the lifestyle of what we're doing now. So, uh, if we can, now I'm trying to, to talk with uh, with Will at Sparks to see if we can make some kids bindings as well. So, like you know, we can actually make a 125 swallowtail that you know you take out in that little hill behind your house with your son, and you just go build a jump and have fun, you know. So that's that's the that's the kind of the next the next step. It's not an easy one, but you see, it's it's it, to be innovative and. You know, make the ride easy and fun. That's a big, big thing. Ah, that's awesome. Well, I learned a lot about Ford, and honestly, I am, if possible, even more excited about skiing those uh, new Northwest shapes. I'd like to add a few things there. Is uh, do we have a minute? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. See, like, uh, I uh, basically now like my title is the shaper, uh, but. The the real shaper of that company was Chris. Like I've got really close to him throughout the years, but uh, what we're what we're doing now basically is that when Chris passed away last November, uh, last October, sorry, uh, I took every single guys that were working with Chris and I gave them a department, so they helped me out with uh, keep growing the business and keep going with. Uh, what Chris had in mind uh, throughout his life. And what we're doing now is basically trying to transfer his uh, Barbados smooth, you know, surfer attitude to everybody we can. And like, we're really working together. So we keep evolving with uh, respecting what Chris did and basically show the world everything that is worked for for like 30 years. So it's 
it's really important for me to underline that because without Chris's hard work, his you know his passion for riding surfboard, windsurf, snowboard, skis, he was skiing as well. Man, like I wouldn't be the guy I am now, and I think like he changed all of our lives. So the only thing we can do as the prior crew is to share it with anybody that wants to hear about it keep that quality really high and like you know every single word he told us during the time we're working with him is basically priceless now and his instruction is what we follow yeah i mean it's it sounds like his legacy is in really good hands with you guys sounds like sounds like the 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 culture he created prior is living on and just just like you're you're passing on snowboarding to your uh to to your son it sounds like Chris, Chris is passing on a, a really great legacy to the industry. So I think we're all lucky to have had people like that in skiing and snowboarding. Absolutely. Definitely. And we always kept the factory in Whistler and that's a big, big challenge. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Dominic, this is, this is a great talk. Yeah. I look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll get back to the shop and start those, uh, those notes quests for you right now. <laughs> awesome can't wait all right great thanks well enjoy the snow man we'll talk to you soon that's it for this edition of gear 30 thanks to sam and dominic for the conversation and you can go to blisterreview.com to read our reviews of several prior products and then you can go to priorsnow.com to take a look at the current prior lineup I'd also like to remind you about the Seoul Student Leadership Outdoor Conference that's taking place at Western Colorado University on April 5th through the 7th, and you can go to seoulconference.com to learn more about that conference and to sign up for it. Finally, if you are enjoying these Gear 30 conversations, we would really appreciate it if you would let your fellow gear nerd friends know about Gear 30. And we would then also really appreciate it if you would leave us a little rating or review in iTunes. It will only take you 30 seconds to do that, but it will make us feel all warm and fuzzy for a really long time. So thanks to all of you for doing that. Please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.